Hey guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the Official Review. Listen to us today as we start off the show a little bit different with Zach Knows Basketball. Then we get into the NFL, we cover things like Chase Claypool's uh, dancing and how it cost the Steelers that game. Um, Some overtime thrillers that happened this week. Should the Giants move on from Daniel Jones? And then we get into a lengthy discussion on college football, the coaching carousel, grading different hires around college football, the transfer portal. And then we end the show with a brand new segment where we read some of your fan-submitted questions and answer them. And uh, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Thank you. And welcome back to the official review. I'm Mitchell Graham. And I'm Zach Brown. And we are so excited to bring you another week of the official review. Today, we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're mixing up the segments in order. Um, We're going to just kind of try to do something new, see uh, see if y'all like it. And we're actually, at the end, going to be taking some fan questions, our first fan questions, which we're very excited about. I know Zach's excited. I'm excited. Um, I haven't seen the questions. I think Zach might have peeked at them. Uh, But uh, I'm excited for that. So we're actually going to start with what we call everyone's favorite segment, Zach Knows Basketball. And with the college basketball question, you're going to see a theme because it keeps changing every week. But last week, you went perfect. You got the leading score for the Hawks and the Nets, and you picked the Nets to beat my Hawks, who, side note, when I'm recording, this just blew a 23-point lead to the Houston Rockets, who were without Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., and one other starter, so um, Nate McMillan's got to get his team in uh, in place because it's not looking good right now. Um, they need to be more motivated to play in the regular season. Anyways, yeah, that was a bad loss. it was it was really bad. Um, we're looking at Friday's games, and I was looking at what's an obscure game that might you know might stump Zach. Okay, Jazz versus Spurs. Give me the Jazz. Okay, the Jazz. What are the Jazz really good at this year, Zach? Winning, I don't know and that. Yes, they're 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 the best three point shooting team in all of the NBA. Okay, well, yeah, they okay. they're the, which they were last year when they got the one seed, but when they got to the playoffs, they couldn't hit shots, so they got eliminated. Yeah. Um, who who's the leading scorer on each team? Give me Don. Give me Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know who plays for the Spurs? The Spurs. Does Lamarcus Aldridge still play there? <laughs> no, Lamarcus Aldridge is on the Nets. Okay. You could do position, you could do... I don't know. Uh, na- just name their starting five. And I'll pick um, one. Oh gosh, I don't even know who they're starting. I do, yes I do. Uh, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, um, I think they're starting Devin Vassell at the three. They're starting Doug McDermott at the four, and Jakob Pertle at the five. Hmm. Give me Jakob Pertle. Jakob Pertle. They're actually starting Keldon Johnson at the three. I don't know why. Nice. Okay. Good. So you're taking Jakob Pertle to lead him in scoring. Yes. Great player. He's a great player. Jakob Pertle has reinvented himself. He was the Utah kid. Um, he Coming out of college, he was pretty good, but I don't think anyone expected him to be this kind of an impact player. Spurs are really young, so I'm not surprised that you don't really know anyone. You probably, when I said Spurs, thought Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili, Tim Duncan, Kawhi Leonard. No, I knew all of them were gone. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't expect. I, okay, I I gave you a little bit of credit. I knew you knew they yeah. were retired, but yeah, there you go. So the I'll do a trivia question again this week. 
Who is the all-time leader in assists in NBA history? Um, he is also the all-time leader in steals. Is he a current player? No, 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 no. Uh, is it uh, John Stockton? It is John Stockton. That was a, hey. that was a great guess. He's actually hey. two two thousand assists ahead of second place, which is Jason wow. Kidd. Wow. He he. That man. He averaged over seven seasons of fourteen plus assists per game. Wow. Which is just insane. He's one of the best of our generation that no one really talks about. But he never won a ring, so really people don't have much respect for him. Utah Jazz theme here, you see, um, for the for the show today. And college basketball, we do this every freaking week, but it changes every freaking week. <laughs> Who's the number one team in the nation right now? Actually, I don't know. There you the go. Last, the last two weeks I've known, but I don't know who the number one team is. Um, they, they had some success last year. Uh, like, pretty good success. Great success. Um... I have no clue. Are they are are they considered a power five school? Yeah, well, they're definitely a power five school because, you know, I mean, they won the national championship last year. Baylor again? Baylor is number one. Oh, right okay. Now. Yes. OK. Even though they lost Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, they've got a great uh, they got a guy. One of their best guards right now actually went to Duluth High School. So, he's, oh, OK. Yeah. Nice. So, Baylor. I mean, every week. Next week is probably going to be some uh, another team that's going to be number one <laughs> in the nation. It changes yeah. every week right now, it seems. So that is Zach Knows Basketball. We started off today with Zach Knows Basketball, and I'll throw it over to you. All right, so we are going to uh, talk about the NFL now. Yes. we got a couple couple things. First thing I want to start off with is uh, I think you'll appreciate the, the headline for this first topic. Chase Clay Tool. Um, yes. On Thursday night, the Vikings and the, the Steelers played. Uh, the, the Vikings got off to a pretty big lead. Steelers started coming back, storming back into that game, had the ball with uh, less than a minute to go, only down eight points. Ben Roethlisberger completes the pass to Chase Claypool. And, you know, Pittsburgh doesn't have any timeouts, can't stop the clock. And it's not like college football where the clock doesn't stop after you get a first down. Clock keeps running. And Chase Claypool, after getting a first down on like their own like 40-yard line, still a long way from scoring, gets up, does a little first down dance, and the rest of his team is like, dude, we've got to get to the line of scrimmage and, and hike the ball for the next play. There's only like 20 <laughs> seconds left in the game. So then he gets lined up. They spike the ball. And he starts screaming at his offensive linemen for no reason. Like it, it, Chase Claypool is now Chase Claytool. That's how I'm going to refer to him. And the, the post game press conference, he was saying, "Yeah, I, I, I did my little first down motion, and and uh, you know we just weren't getting we just weren't getting set in time." Basically, he tried to deflect all the blame onto the rest of his teammates when he's out there doing a little TikTok dance with 20 seconds to go. And their team's trying to score. Um, and Juju Smith-Schuster is influencing way too many people on this team. Seems like the Pittsburgh Steelers only care about TikTok. Then they they care more about TikTok than they do about winning games. Well, I, mean, I think his time. Or I think that's actually a good little segue to for Chase Claypool's time as a tic, as a Steeler TikTok. 
It's going. Yeah. It's it's TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. If he keeps doing this crap, him and Juju are going to be out of jobs in Pittsburgh because Mike Tomlin. And it baffles me because Mike Tomlin is a no nonsense kind of guy. Right. He 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 wants his to play disciplined football. He wants to be physical stuff like that. And Claypool and Smith Schuster are two physical wide receivers who are very good football players, but they've let. Uh, they're so undisciplined and they're so immature that it, it, yeah. it's shocking, man. It's it's just absolutely shocking that, that a Mike Tomlin team is going through this. And I mean, I feel bad for Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it's his last year and he's got receivers who are good, but he's got receivers who aren't, he doesn't have an elite receiver. And it feels like the Steelers are kind of stuck because when Antonio Brown went crazy, Juju Smith-Schuster stepped up. When Juju Smith-Schuster yeah. started going down, Chase Claypool stepped up. But now Claypool's going down. Who's going to step up? But I mean, it should not. I mean, these are what three or four years apart from all three of these teams or all three of these guys actually playing pretty good football. Yeah. I don't understand what the problem is. And I think there's a bigger issue within the Steelers organization because they did not address any of the main needs that they needed on that team after they started what 10 11 and 0 last year they went 11 and 0 and lost their last six straight games lost six games in a row and they they went into the draft oh look at the big shiny toy Najee Harris let me draft a running back in the first round that it it, it solved nothing it solved nothing and it it shows me where the philosophy of the Steelers are and the Steelers this year now they're gonna have to draft a quarterback so they're not gonna be able to address those needs that they actually need in the first round again so it's just going to be this chain of mediocrity. I don't know who the Steelers can draft who will actually make a difference in the because they're not going to get the first quarterback. The first quarterback off the board, I think, is going to be at like 11 or 12, and they might be picking 16 or 17. So I just feel like yeah. there's a bigger issue within the Steelers organization than the TikTok dances. And it starts with their poor drafting. They drafted a freaking running back in the first round, and it just irks me, and it's done nothing because you don't need an elite running back to have success in the current NFL. Yeah, I mean, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I agree with you on pretty much everything you said, but a little bit of devil's advocate, they went for Najee Harris because they were like the worst rushing team in football last year, had nobody to play running back. Now, now you could get Najee Harris in the second round probably, and you could probably get a halfway decent running back in the second round. But I'm I'm just trying to maybe understand a little bit better their what they were trying to do. I do don't you know agree with they, the pick. Do you know why they didn't rush for that many yards last year? Because they threw it 50 times. Did you watch a Steelers game last year? They just it, didn't run the ball. I, I think it's the other way around. I think they had to throw 50 times because they had no rushing attack whatsoever. Was James Conner hurt? He wasn't playing well. He was he was hurt for most of the year, but then he also wasn't playing well. He's had or he's kind of had a revival of his career over in Arizona, but yes, I, I agree. There, I think I think there's more going on in Pittsburgh. I think their number one issue is that they didn't try to come up with a succession plan to Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger's last year should have been probably two years ago. Yeah, they should have already had a succession plan in place. But the Steelers are. I mean, they've had like four head coaches in the last 40 years. So they're, they're the type of team, the type of organization likes to hold on to the same guys. And I can respect that. I can understand that. But there comes a point where you've got to see the writing on the wall. Hey, Ben Roethlisberger's not good anymore. You know, we can draft the guy maybe in the second round and let him develop. But they didn't even do that. They haven't drafted a quarterback in like four years. Mason Rudolph was the last okay, guy they drafted. Mason Rudolph is absolute garbage. Okay. Yes. He's... 
he's he's not and they they, they started another guy um what was his oh, name oh, after Mason Rudolph got about. hurt yep. he was even worse Buck Hodges that's yeah. who it was Duck, Duck Hodges Duck Hodges Duck. they started a guy named Duck at quarterback okay Dude. that's a guy that should be playing for like Carolina not not Pittsburgh okay that doesn't fit in Pittsburgh now, Pittsburgh still got a great defense, and, and I agree, man. Mike Mike Tomlin is a no nonsense guy, so I don't understand why that continues to go on. I have no problem with Claypool and Juju having TikToks; that's fine. But it seems like they're just preoccupied with social media more than winning football games. Uh, it's more; it's all about branding. And I think the Steelers have also discovered that Juju is not really a one. He's really just kind of a a, a, a good two at best. He's a he's slot not a, receiver. He's a yeah, physical slot receiver. He's not a one. When he wasn't the one, that's when he had his best year, when Anto- his la- Antonio Brown's last year. Mm-hmm. But then when they tried to make Juju the one, they were like, okay, yeah, his numbers fell off the table because he's not a good one. He's, no. he's, a, he's a decent two, but he's not a one, but they try to make him that. Yeah, now, exactly. On the bright side for Pittsburgh is they have a a long and very good history of drafting and developing wide receivers. So they don't have to worry about that, but that's also not what they need to be focusing on is wide receivers. They have so many other issues that need to be addressed than a wide receiver. They're good at that. Okay. They they don't miss on wide receivers, like no. ever. They don't ever miss on wide receivers. But now you've got to focus on getting a quarterback. Maybe shoring up that offensive line a little bit more. You've got defensive issues you've got to fix. There's just a lot of things going on. And do you know what? Now they drafted Najee Harris, and he's going to put up a lot of good stats. So now in three, four years, you're going to have to pay Najee Harris, and that's going to restrict all like any kind of big moves you want to do in other positions. Yeah. I, I, I I don't know. I mean, we might one show just have a whole segment on our on the whole drafting a running back dilemma, but it's just like it doesn't make sense to me why you would invest in a running back seeing as what we've seen in the last five years is happening to these top running backs Gurley out of the league yeah Gurley's out of the league McCaffrey can't stay healthy Zeke is having injury problems now he seems a little more injury prone than usual yes he's had a he's had a rough year Fournette was in and out of the lineup with his injuries these are all top 10 running backs yeah. Every single one of them. And granted, Najee went, what, 22nd, 23rd, something like that. And I I don't and I understand he's great and I understand he's got talent, but you could have gotten him or you could have gotten ETN in the second round. And look at ETN. ETN didn't play at all this year. Like yeah. it, there's a fundamental problem with running backs right now when you can rather when you can have a guy. I'll keep I'll stay with Dallas. Tony Pollard. When did you draft him? Fourth or fifth round? I don't even know. He was a fourth or fifth round pick. It wasn't a high pick, I don't think. No, he was out of Memphis. He was the third string on Memphis. And he's having great success. And you're not going to have to really pay him, right? So, look, I I know that's off topic, but there's a big dilemma, and I'm firmly against the first-round running back because it's not working. It is not working. We could talk about that when we talk about drafts, when we get to the NFL draft and stuff like that in the future. All right, moving on to the next topic. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury's coaching decisions cost Arizona the game last night. Of course, we are recording on a Tuesday. So last night was um, the Monday Night Football, Arizona Cardinals, and the L.A. Rams. Cliff Kingsbury had so many opportunities to win that game last night. Um, Going forward on fourth down, I think three times, 
in the fourth quarter and didn't get didn't convert any one of those times when you could have kicked the field. If he kicks those three, if he kicks a field goal three times, he's got one of the most efficient kickers in the league on his team. They win the game. Yeah. But they decided to go for it three times, didn't get it each time. Then they recover the onside kick with 30 seconds left, only down seven. They have two costly penalties and then a check down pass with no timeouts, didn't go out of bounds, ball game. Now, like, the check down's not Cliff Kingsbury's fault. So yeah. That's more on Kyler, but I'll let you finish the, the phrasing and then I'll get into that. And then he gets sacked. And yeah. then that's the end of the ball game. I mean, Kingsbury had a lot of, and, the, and it, it's, it's weird for the Cardinals because they, they've had struggles at home, but they're the best road team in the league. They haven't lost a game on the road. So I don't know what the issues are, but Arizona very, very much should have won that game last night. Um, I still think they are them and the Packers, I think are tied for first is the best team in the league right now for me. But man, you can't, you can't make those, those bad coaching decisions at the end of the game. And I think it's just, it's not even like hard decisions either. Cause it's 30 to 20. You've got about, I think minute 37 left. It's third down. You got out of bounds. So the clock stopped completely it's third down or it's it's fourth down fourth down and three you kick they they don't kick the field goal so it would have been a 56 yarder but it's matt prater who hits from 64 so instead they go for it on fourth down and they get it they did get this one they got Mm -hmm. it but another minute was wasted until they ended up actually kicking the field goal leaving them with 30 seconds then they recover the onside kick which was absolutely beautiful perfect onside kick which there were four onside kicks recovered last night or uh, last week of NFL. There had been like three in the previous 12, 13 weeks. So, which I think was pretty cool. Um, So uh, something about onside kicks this week, but then Kyler Murray has it and Kyler Murray acts like he forgets how to play football. So he takes a sack. He doesn't throw it out of bounds. He's throwing check downs. And on the final play of the game, he literally had no, he, he didn't even attempt to throw. He literally just took the sack because it looked like he had no idea what he was doing. And that starts with coaching, but that's also a quarterback who you've been playing football for a while, bro. Like you got to know how to handle at least 30 seconds, but they shouldn't have had 30 seconds in the first place. They should have had about a minute 30 going into it. Seeing as everything happened the same way they recover the onside kick, the same, they have a minute and a half, no timeouts to go down the field. You've got DeAndre Hopkins. You've got a, um, you've got Rondell Moore. James Conner was having a great game. Christian Kirk. You've got so much talent around you. There's no way. There's no reason you lose that game. But before we switch it, I want to give credit to the Rams because the Rams had a perfect game plan. They had about six guys go on the reserve COVID list before mm-hmm. the game, and I think they just had another seven get put on like a couple hours ago. A lot ago. of them were starters that played last night. A lot, a lot of them were starters that played last night, but like before this game, Higby went out late. Higby yeah. went out. You had Jalen Ramsey go out. So give credit to Sean McVay and the Rams and Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup because Matt Stafford made some throws in that game. I don't know if you watched the highlight or watched the game. If you watched that one throw that he made to Cooper Cup, it was literally perfect in the corner of the end zone where it was perfectly guarded by that corner. Yeah, and he just stuck it right in there. I thought it was a pick but it was a perfectly thrown touchdown. Um, and then, I, look, I just want to give credit to the Rams because it was a big win, and I think it was the only game I picked correctly all week. No, you picked two games. 
You picked two I did games pick two games. I know I was 0 for 3, but I, I at, at one point, but I picked yes. two. Okay, there we go. You got uh, you got the Niners yeah. right, and then you picked the uh, the, the Rams. So. Right. So give me, yes, give me, I'm going to give some credit to the Rams. It's a big win. They're now 9 and 4, and they're very much in it in the division. Yeah, like, I did what you said. I mean, McVay had a great game plan, and I saw last night, he is now 9 and 1 in his career against Arizona. The only loss he's ever had against Arizona was earlier this year. So he's, he's got Cliff's number. Um, you know, he doesn't lose to Arizona. Again, Arizona seems to struggle at home for whatever odd reason that is. Uh, but yeah, That's I mean, the Falcons, <laughs> but uh, yeah, cr- big credit to uh, the Rams for winning that game. That was, that was a big win. Um, moving on to the next one, uh, we had two overtime thrillers last night. Right. Uh, not last night, but over the weekend. The 49ers and the Bengals was a big game. Um, you know, Joe Burrow threw, throwing two huge touchdown passes late in that game to win. Or not yes. to win, but to get them into overtime. And then I think they got the ball first. They drove downfield, got a field goal. And then Jimmy G went six for six on that last drive of the game. And scored a touchdown Re-sign to him. give, to give the Niners him. a win. So yeah, I mean it's starting to create a dilemma for the 49ers about whether or not to 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 move towards Trey yeah. Lance or stay to Jimmy G. But and then the other overtime thriller was the Bills Bucks game. Um, you know, you had texted me and said that the Bills are going to come back and win this game. They did come back and they did tie the game, but then they lost in overtime. The Bills, they just. I, I don't know, man. They're just, they're struggling. They're struggling big time. They're in a slump. Um, and I think, I think what they lack is they lack physicality on offense. They yeah. don't really have a physical run game. The bills are just all about finesse, uh, you know, downfield passing, check downs, screen. They're very finesse team. And that's fine. You can, you can be successful. But it's odd to me that a cold weather team wants to be finesse because yeah. you play a game in late December in Buffalo. As a matter of fact, we saw it last week against the Patriots. Finesse doesn't work when the weather gets really, really bad. You got to be physical. You got to win football games. And I don't think the Bills can really fix that this year. But what can help them is if they start using Josh Allen in the run game. Which they did. He ran for 115, 120 yards in that and they, game. So. They've, got to, they've got to do it more. I mean. You know, Zach Moss is a halfway decent running back. Not he, got really no, he got no touches. He's yeah, a, it's Devin Singletary and Matt or, Breda. Yeah, Sing- so they're just not physical enough on offense, I think. Um, and that's that's really what's costing him a lot of these games. Um, I mean, a, a point of just just to talk for a minute about that Patriots and Bucks game, because I watched almost every play of it. You mean, um, the, you mean the Bills-Bucks game? Yes. Tom Brady versus... <laughs> The yeah yeah wow wow okay. Anyways, there is a pass on fourth or third down that goes towards Stephon Diggs, and it is a clear pass interference. Clear as day. I don't know if you saw it, but it's a clear as day uh, no. pass interference. The ref is staring him down, and he doesn't call it. They end up having to kick the field goal. So I, I think that is a big. I, I think part of me, the Bills probably should have won the game. And the Bills, to be able to come back against the Buccaneers at home, who the, I, I don't know if you saw the stat, but the Buccaneers had won like 11 straight games at home by more than 10 points. 
dating back to last year's playoffs, which is wow. insane. But the Bills came back. They played well. Um, but they're seven and six, and they're right on the line of the playoffs. So yeah. they've got a couple. I mean, they've got the Panthers this week. They've got the Patriots week sixteen. They've got the <laughs> the Falcons week seventeen. Uh, and then they've, week got 18, a, they've got they've got the a Jets. favorable they've got a favorable schedule from here on out. So I I still think I think the Bills are only going to lose one game from this point forward. So that'll yeah. put them and at the uh, Falcons. That'll put them at ten and seven. <laughs> no, it's not going to be to the Falcons. <laughs> And they'll still be in the playoffs. And I still think they're going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs. 100%. But they're just – I don't know if they can make a deep run without being physical, without without having more physicality on offense. And it's uh, – one last point on this. They have Brian Dable, who's a Alabama assistant, and Alabama's all about physicality. So I just don't understand where the disconnect is. I think he's trying to be – Dable's just trying to be a little bit too cute. Like, they had no non-quarterback run attempts in the first half. That is the first time in NFL history, uh, or the first time in probably 50 years, that a team did not attempt a run by a running back in a single half of football. Wow. Yeah, I, he's, they're trying to get... I think they, they realize that Josh Allen's the type of quarterback that can really do anything, and so they overthink it. Say, okay, well, Josh Allen's really good, so... We can afford to throw it 40 to 50 times. Yeah. Okay, well, even the best quarterbacks still need a complimentary run game to take some of the weight off their shoulders. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going off this year because he's got two good running backs to hand the ball off to. They've got a decent running game, makes it easier on him. So, Packers are yeah. so good. All right, let's move on to the uh, final topic before we get into our picks. Uh, should the Giants move on from Daniel Jones? Uh, I know we literally just texted right before we started recording and you say no, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that yes, the New York Giants have to move on from, from Daniel Jones. I think it came out today that the Giants have decided they are sticking with Joe judge as the, as the, uh, as the head coach. I know there was some speculation, maybe he was on the hot seat, but you know, Joe judge, it's hard to win when you don't have a good quarterback. Bill Belichick couldn't win last year when he didn't have anybody at quarterback. It's hard to win when you don't have a good quarterback. Daniel Jones, statistically, is not a good quarterback. Early on in his career, he had a lot of turnover issues. He seems to fix the turnover issues for the most part, but he's still not winning games for that team. Um, you know, And I really don't understand what the hype was out of college for Daniel Jones. He played at Duke and against top 25 ACC opponents, I think he had like a 50% completion percentage and averaged like 120 yards to the air a game. Like, that's not good. And you played under an offensive mastermind, David Cutcliffe, who's widely known as one of the best offensive minds in the game, and you could only produce those numbers. I don't think Daniel Jones is good. I think the Giants have a... They don't even really have to draft a quarterback. I think they have a legitimate shot at getting somebody like Russell Wilson or Derek Carr. And that's going to that's going to dramatically because Russell Wilson, I think he wants out of Seattle. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. He wants to go somewhere where he can build his brand. I think they've just got to move on from Daniel Jones. He is not winning them games and he he may not be necessarily the problem, but he's not the answer either. Look, and I just think this is this this is more not about Daniel Jones, and this is how crap of the of a team the Giants are. 
So it's hard to Daniel Jones has not had a competent offense around him since he's got there. Yeah, he's got Saquon, but Saquon can't stay healthy. That was another one. I was trying to think of the other running back. Saquon can't stay healthy. He's never had an offensive line. My goodness, they don't have an offensive line. They've got decent receivers this year. They've got Galladay. They've got Slayton. They've got Evan Ingram. Like, they've got decent receivers. But Daniel Jones is never even dating back to Duke. Yeah, he had a good offensive mastermind in David Cutcliffe. But what kind of receivers, what kind of people did he have around him? I And look, and I know, he's not an elite quarterback. But I think if you put him on a better team, he would he would be... He would be like put him on a team that has just even a little bit more talent. I think we change our view on him completely. I, I disagree. Would you take Would you take Kirk Cousins over Daniel Jones? I was about to make that. I was about to make that comparison. Yes, I would take Kirk Cousins over Daniel Jones any day of the but week. But would have you would? But Kirk Cousins struggled like this with the Redskins. Okay, but see, you're. You're making excuses for Daniel Jones. Oh, he doesn't have a great offensive line. Oh, he doesn't have a lot of weapons. Trevor Lawrence is doing better than Daniel Jones. No, he's not. Yes, he is. D- Trevor Lawrence is playing better than Daniel Jones is Daniel this year. Jo- uh, Trevor Lawrence just had four picks. He just threw four oh, picks okay. in a single game. You're talking about one game. I'm talking about over the span of the season, Trevor Lawrence has had a better year. He has no offensive line and no one to throw to, and he is doing better than Daniel Jones. Tua is doing better than Daniel Jones. Uh, Tua's got a good team. Uh, but still, it, the, all the people that have been drafted at this in the same draft class and even after him are all pretty. Most of them, for the most part, are doing better than him. Other than like Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins is terrible. But most of those quarterbacks are all doing better than him. It's time to stop making excuses for Daniel Jones. Oh, he doesn't have this. He doesn't have this. He's not winning you football games. He's not good. If the Giants want to get back to relevancy. I don't even think you bother drafting a quarterback because there's not a, really a, a game-changing quarterback in this draft. You got to say, look, what do I got to get to get Russell Wilson or Derek Carr? I think is going to be a free agent. Talk to him. Sign him. It's going to dramatically help your team day one. Am I saying they're going to win the Super Bowl if they have those quarterbacks? No. They still got a lot, thing, a lot of things to work on. But you're going to win three or four more games with one of those quarterbacks. Look, this, I mean, honestly, I don't really, it doesn't really matter to me. I, I mean, Daniel Jones is a, is a, one of those guys that I like to root for because I want to see him have success. Like, because him and Mitchell Trubisky, I think were never even given a shot by the media and by their teams. Like, like for people to believe in them. And the Giants are actually sticking with Daniel Jones while the, the Bears just gave up on Mitchell Trubisky. But both of them, I understand where it comes from, yeah. though. They were drafted above elite, uh, better talent, right? Above, the, yeah. uh, They were drafted above better talent. But they were never even given a chance, so I want to see them succeed. Daniel Jones has had flashes. He's got a great arm. He's, got, he's very mobile when he wants to be. So, I, I, look, I, I don't really, if they move on from him, great. He'll be a career backup. He's never going to drop out of the league. Daniel Jones is going to be a backup somewhere for every team. and. He's gonna he's gonna find success, but I I don't know if uh, the Giants have bigger issues than Daniel Jones. Yeah, here's the thing: in modern in the modern NFL football, you can't be as patient with quarterbacks as you used to could. 10, 15 years ago, you could be a lot more patient, give him till year three or four, because you know that that's just the way things were done. 
But and now in modern NFL, if you're not good in a year or two, you're done. We don't have time to wait for you because these quarterbacks are getting so much more reps than they did 10 to 15 years ago. They're not only playing high school football, they're going to summer camps, doing seven on sevens, then they're playing college football. They're, they're playing two to three years. They're, they're playing thousands upon thousands of snaps, whereas that wasn't really happening 10 to 15 years ago with quarterbacks. You should have more experience, and that's why people are just not as patient with quarterbacks anymore, and I think it's justified. You've had more snaps. You've had more opportunities. You should be figuring it out by now. You've This is what Jones is, what, fourth year in the league? Yeah, something like that. We can't be patient with him anymore. If, if it was year two, I would say, okay, maybe we can be a little bit more patient. It's year four. It's year four, and there's like four games left. We, the Giants have got to run out of patience with Daniel Jones. If they're ever going to be – and look, I'm fine if the Giants are completely irrelevant for the next 20 years because I don't like the Giants. But I, if I'm a Giants fan, you've got to at some point say, look, we've got to move on. We, we've got to get over this hump. We're going to need a better quarterback. But look, and I think they'll just kind of end this segment or in this talking point with this. I feel like the Giants almost feel like this could be an Eli kind of thing where they waited out. Like, because Eli wasn't great, right? Like, Eli won won a lot at, in New York, but he had great teams around him. I think, he's there, I think maybe the thing for the Giants is they're trying to build a team around Daniel Jones to have him like a Dan, uh, like a Eli Manning. But I, I yeah. don't know. Like, he, Eli Manning and Daniel Jones are very similar. He's a poor man's Eli Manning. Okay. No, I, obviously. I, Eli I, Manning's a Hall of Famer. Here's so the thing. I, mean, I, like, I think... Personally, and we'll, maybe we'll talk about this another day. I think Eli Manning's one of the most overrated quarterbacks of all time, but Daniel Jones can't even hold a candle to Eli Manning, and that just goes to show you how I, I don't think he's a good quarterback. Respect. Anyways, um, let's move on to our most anticipated games of the week. Sweet. What you got? I have got the another like mid division matchup. We did one. I did one of those with uh, the Falcons and the. Uh, Panthers last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do it this week with the football team and the Eagles. Yeah, so, good game. Uh, yeah, Washington versus Philadelphia, both sitting at six and seven. This is for second place in the division and has major wild card implications because yeah. they are both they both hold the tiebreaker over six and seven uh, Atlanta right now. So if both of them keep winning, they're in. Yeah, if they keep matching the Falcons, they will get in over the Falcons. And look, this is kind of the worst nightmare for the Falcons at this point, because one of these teams has to win and they might lose this week. So I think I'm just looking forward to it. There's a lot at stake between two, six and seven teams, and it doesn't really get much better than that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big game. Mine is uh, one of the games we're going to pick the Patriots and the Colts. Who you got this week? Patriots at the Colts. The Colts have a lot more to play for. They're still in the running for the playoffs. Uh, they need one of these wins. They've got two wins, the uh, two games at the end of the year that are pretty winnable. But uh, they have two games coming up against the Patriots and the Cardinals that they really need to win. Um, at least one of them, I think they're going to win this one. Give me the Colts. Yeah, um, I really wanted to pick the Colts, man. I, I like this team. I like what they've been able to do. Um, Jonathan Taylor's having a great year. Um, Carson Wentz is actually having a good year as well. Um, but I got to pick the Patriots. They're undefeated on the road. They're very good against the run. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to pick the Patriots. Fair. 
All right, game number three, we got Packers at the Ravens. Packers at the Ravens. Uh, I know. I already know who you're going to pick. I already know who you're going to pick. Well, Lamar Jackson's in concussion protocol, I'm pretty sure. So, or whatever. He's in some kind of injury protocol, and they're going to be starting Tyler Huntley. The Packers are the best team in football. Game of the Packers. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I like the Ravens, and... As on our show last week, I will defend Lamar Jackson, but I don't think he's even going to play in this game. So obviously got to take the Packers. All right. But even even if Lamar plays in this game, I still got the Packers winning. So. Yeah. All right. Falcons at the 49ers. This is a big game, dude. Like this is the uh, 49ers sit at seven and six. The Falcons sit at six and seven. We talked earlier about the importance of the Eagles and the football team game. Um, just how important that game is for wild card. The Falcons really can't afford many losses at this point in the season. They're going to need to play three or four. Uh, they're going to need to win three of the last four games to even be comfortable. Uh, I think this is a game that we can win. On the road, we've been a lot better than at home. If this game was at Mercedes-Benz, I'd probably pick the 49ers. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to pick the the Niners. Um, I think... They're they're kind of hitting their stride. I think they've won like four out of their last five games. Falcons are just way too inconsistent. So, um, yeah, I've got the 49ers. 49ers winning this game. And then finally, our Monday night game, the Vikings at the Bears. Vikings at the Bears. Vikings at the Bears. Vikings? I don't trust Justin Fields. I don't trust the Bears offense. Give me the Vikings. Yeah, I gave us a little bit some easier games this week because I didn't like going one for four last week. So that hurt a little bit. Hurt the pride. Hurt the pride. But yeah, I'm going to go with the Vikings as well. Um, I think Kirk Cousins makes several plays now that now Kirk Cousins is criticized for not being able to win primetime football games, especially Monday night games. But he's playing the Bears, and the Bears are pretty pretty bad. So I've got the Vikings. But then again, the Vikings did lose to the Lions. Yeah, but I've yeah. still got the Vikings. And they almost this blew a game. twenty-nine to nothing lead to the Steelers. Yeah, and not to mention they only beat the Lions the first time on a game-winning field goal, so they should have lost to the Lions twice. Well, you know the the, the Steelers tied with the Lions, so I mean this is just one big wheel of mediocrity. Like, yeah, but I've got the Vikings, and you do man. too. So. You you pick the Falcons, is that right? I pick the Falcons, yes. I gotta okay. go dirty birds. <laughs> All right, yeah, that concludes our NFL segment of the week. Sweet. So now we're gonna transition to college football. This week, um, we're not gonna pick any games. We're just gonna kind of go through some of the new hires in the Power Five and rank them uh, like a like you would in school. So A through, and we could even give an F for a higher if we really wanted to, but A through F, that's what we're going to rank them at. And I think we can start with kind of the one that really got us going. It was Lincoln Riley, surprisingly, going to USC. Zach, what is your ranking on that hire? My grade on Lincoln your Riley grade, USC, yes, that's a, that's a my grade is an A+. Plus. A this plus. is an A plus. No, you know what? A plus would have to be an l- absolute perfect hire. Just because he doesn't have a national championship, I'm going to say A. I'll downgrade it to an A. Um, but it's a it's a it's a big time splash hire. It's exactly what USC needed to kind of get 
the attention garnered back on them again. Um, right. He's already killing it in the recruiting trail. Um, yeah, I think USC is going to dominate the Pac-12 from year for years to come. Right. I, I'm going to go with uh, with an A as well. I don't. I mean, he's a great football coach. Like you said, really, the only thing he hasn't done is won a playoff game. Um, but not many coaches have won a playoff game. We're being honest. So yeah, Lincoln Riley, USC is a game changer. Um, let's stay in the Pac-12. This one's a little more recent. Um, Oregon hires Dan Lanning, uh, former Georgia defensive coordinator, who is still going to coach in the uh, playoff game. What do you rank that for Oregon? I rank it a B, um, mainly because Lanning has has no head coaching experience, and they are kind of taking a chance on a guy. Yeah. Uh, because while Lanning, I love the guy. You know, I'm sad to see him go, but I'm so happy for him to get this opportunity. You know, a realistic Georgia fan knew he wasn't going to stay around for very long. Right. Um, but it, but it, I think we all know that's really Kirby's defense and not Dan Lanning's defense. Yes. So that's why I'm giving it a B. I'm happy for the guy. I hope it works out. I hope Oregon's a great program from here on out. But just because there's not really a whole lot of experience there, he's still very, very young. Um. So that's why I'm giving it a B. See, I'm going to go with a C plus. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit lower and it was kind of pointing on to what you said. So you said that, um, he really doesn't run the defense. It's more of Kirby's defense. And also on the other hand, he doesn't run recruiting at all. Kirby is their recruiter. So he's like Kirby controls two aspects is like kind of is what made Dan Lanning appealing. But if you look at the like the center where it stems from, it's Kirby. So I think Dan Lanning's got a lot to prove. I think I mean, he's kind of in a similar situation as Pittman was and Mel Tucker was. Both of them were kind of like, ah, what are they going to do? We liked them. They're good culture guys. I think Pittman or I think Lanning's going to do good, but I don't think it's going to be as immediate as Pittman and Tucker were. So Oregon might have a couple down years before they start building an identity of defense with an offense to pair with it. He's got to get a solid offensive coordinator in right now with Oregon because I don't know he he can't coach offense. Yeah, and I think if Oregon wants this hire to work out, they're going to have to give him a couple of years. Right. They can't they can't be like most SEC schools and be like, "Okay, 2 years in, you haven't won 10 games yet, you're done." Yeah. Um, you know, you got to give the guy some time. I'm actually an advocate for a, a rebuild usually takes around 5 to 6 years unless <laughs> unless you are in a recruiting hotbed. Then it yeah. should take less. But Oregon's not really a recruiting hotbed. They do recruit well, but Oregon, the state itself, is not a recruiting hotbed. If Lincoln Riley wouldn't have gone to USC, I would have said, yes, Oregon's a recruiting hotbed because they're the most attractive place yeah, to go to in the Pac-12. The most attractive West Coast, but now that Lincoln Riley's at USC, that's no longer the case. Yeah, so they're going to have to give Lanning a couple of years if they, if they want to be happy with that hire. You're right, 100%. Um, the next one, I'll go, we'll go uh, to the SEC. We will go... The Bayou Bengals get Mr. Brian Kelly, the Mr. Fake Southern Accent already. <laughs> How do you rank that? How do you grade that higher? Um, I'm going to go with an A minus. Yeah. A minus. I think he's a solid. I think he was a solid hire. Uh, probably close to the best guy that could have gotten. Um, sure. And again, he doesn't really fit the the LSU no. culture at all. Nope. But at all. you can tell the guy's trying. He's really trying to 
connect with the LSU fans. Um, he doesn't really have a hard time recruiting. I mean, Notre Dame, if you take out the, the fact that it's a prestigious program, it's not easy to recruit there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the recruits come there because it is a prestigious program. But I think Brian Kelly's done a good job of recruiting. Everywhere he's been, they've won. Yeah. So why would it be any different at LSU? Uh, but similar issue, he's never gotten over the hump. He's never won a playoff game. Seems like when he plays the the biggest games on the biggest stages is when he falls short. But he also didn't have the talent he's going to have at LSU now. So I'll give it an A- minus for now, but it could could end up being huge. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar. I'm going to actually just go with a B, but I want to use a lot of your talking points. I won't, I won't really go on it. I think fit, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do there, if he can kind of build off of it, and if he can establish, reestablish a culture of winning at LSU. If he can do that, then it's going to be a it's going to be a ballpark hire. I think we'll find out really quickly how a Brian Kelly LSU team is going to look. They're going to come out uh, if they come out stale. They don't look very good. I think people are going to be questioning it just because of the magnitude of the of Brian Kelly as a head coach. Um, he doesn't get as much leeway as a young Dan Lanning would, right? So if yeah. LSU comes out and they don't look good, then this is we're going to question the hire. But if they come out and they look guns a blazing, he hires the right assistants. Then it's going to be something to watch out for. Yeah, and here's the thing about Brian Kelly. You don't necessarily have to give him five years, but I do think there there is a possibility that he's going to have to literally tear down the current culture and rebuild a new culture. Yeah. Because Ed Orgeron runs a totally different ship than Brian Kelly does. Brian Kelly is very disciplined. He expects your absolute best at all times. Whereas Orgeron was kind of like the more laid back type of guy, uh, players coach, you know, trying to relate to the players more. Brian Kelly's not like that. And sometimes you have to tear down the current culture and rebuild it. So I would say even if, if next year LSU goes six and six, seven and five, don't panic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause he's got to build his culture, his system there. So that's what, Um, that's what I would have to say. Yeah. uh, uh, Spot on. I'll go with now the other side of the Oregon deal. We've got um, Mr. Wow. Why does his name slip me now? Mario Cristobal. Mario Cristobal going to Miami. How do you grade that? I grade it a B, B minus. Um, I I think Mario Cristobal is a little overrated. Um, He can't seem to win big games. Yeah. The last time Oregon was winning big games was when Chip Kelly was the head coach. Yep. Um, And Mario Cristobal. They get a lot of hype. He's he's a phenomenal recruiter, mm-hmm. and he's going to have a much easier time recruiting in Miami than he was in Oregon. Mm-hmm. So the talent alone will probably get Miami nine to ten wins a year. Yeah, but Cristobal seems to have an an issue coaching in the biggest games, and he and he loses a lot to unranked teams. Um. Yeah. So. I also don't like the culture that's already been formed at Miami, kind of underhandedly hiring Cristobal, not telling Manny Diaz, all this other stuff. Yeah. So until Mario Cristobal can take that next step, I'm giving him a B minus. As far as culture fit, he is probably the best guy they could have hired at Miami. I agree. He's from Miami. Uh, He was born and raised there. His family still lives there. 
He bleeds uh, green and orange. I think he's a perfect fit for the program. But um, in terms of winning success, and look, Miami at this point, after all these years of mediocrity, should be happy with nine to ten win seasons. And I think Mario Cristobal can give you consistent nine to ten win seasons. Oh, 100%. So. That's why I'm going to go with a B plus. I think also because he's going to benefit from playing in a weak ACC that's seeing a lot of coaching changes. Yeah. Um, the ACC is in a... A lot of changes happened in the ACC. I'm looking at the list right now of all the coaching changes, what I'm reading off of. Um, they went through a lot of changes, so I think he's going to benefit. I think Miami's going to take the next step in a couple years once some actual Cristobal recruits come into Miami. And they're gonna, yeah. I think he's going to benefit from the transfer portal um, a lot because Miami is a desirable place to play with the turnover chain, stuff like that. So I give this a B plus. I think it's a good one for Mario, Mario Cristobal. Yeah, South Florida is a huge recruiting bed. Right. He doesn't have to go very far to get good, good players. So. Exactly. I'm going to go back to the SEC, our bitter rival, Florida, Billy Napier. How do you grade it? Oh, I don't want to compliment this hire at all, but I think I need to. Um, if I'm being unbiased, I think it's a, I think it's a B plus. I'll give it a B plus for now. He's done a phenomenal job at Louisiana. Um, and the players loved him and the fans loved him. Like I've never, it's rare to see a coach leave a program for a better program. And the fans still love that coach. Yeah. And that, in that conference championship game, they coached like, or he, he coached in all of Louisiana's fans were so appreciative of Billy Napier. They're like, we still love you. We'll still support you. Like no negativity towards Billy Napier at all. Um, I think Billy Napier has said that he wants to be aggressive. He says scared money doesn't make money. So he wants the athletic director to spend money on good coordinators. That was the problem with the last regime. They were too cheap to get rid of coordinators that needed to leave. So for them, I'm going to give it a B plus for now. Um, but my inner Georgia fan is hoping it's an F hire is hoping that it's an awful hire. And I don't know if you saw this, but Mike Gundy, actually his agent actually contacted Florida and he wanted the job, but they said no to Mike Gundy. Well, there we go. Um, I grade this, I grade this a low B minus for right now, because I just think Florida is a project. Like I think they are coming, they're kind of reeling with Dan Mullen leaving and it makes me so happy. Like, I think this is a probably, like you said, a four to five year rebuild before they're back. Um, Billy Napier is going to have to learn how to. I think Florida's the exception. I think you could build it in three years. You could get it back to prominence in three years. Billy Napier, like Brian Harson, is going to have to build a reputation to be able to recruit in the SEC. Like, Harson hasn't yeah. didn't recruit in the SEC. He was at Boise State. Now he's at Auburn, and it's a dumpster fire. Um, but he's gonna and now he but he hasn't he, from, but he hasn't lost any key players. Nobody's transferred out. He hasn't, but they're but they're not a good team anyway. Like right, like so. Yeah. Th- I mean, they're they weren't good talent wise. So he's got a lot to do there, and he's got to learn to re- how to recruit against some of the best. He's recruiting against Kirby. He's recruiting against Shane Beamer, who's who's yeah. on who's on fire right now. He's yeah. uh, against Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, now Brian Kelly. Like you, he's going. It's going to be a. It's a journey for Billy Napier. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna say he's going to be terrible because who am I? I don't know enough about him as a coach 
yeah. say he's going to be terrible at Florida. I hope he's terrible at Florida. Nothing against yeah. him, but you put the F on your head with the. the, and the I don't, and we don't little, like you. Yeah, the and we don't like you. F. And now we hate you, but I think you could be a good hire. So there you go. And that, hey, and, and honestly, that makes me nervous as a Georgia fan. I don't want them to have a good hire. No, no. But uh, it just, just the prominence of that school alone, I think, is going to really help him in recruiting, though. He doesn't even have to be like the most phenomenal recruiter. Just all the prominence that goes with going to Florida is going gonna, is gonna to kind of help him. Yeah. He just can't be Dan Mullen and like be completely uninterested in recruiting. I don't think you can do be Dan Mullen to be really good at anything as a head coach. So <laughs> yeah, the quarterback whisperer, right? Um, whatever. Anyways, we got to We got to skippy along here. Oklahoma who lost Lincoln Riley. Obviously they sign Brent Venables. Great. I'm going to give it a B. Um, Brent Venables. I don't think he's ever been a head coach. No, no. And honestly, a couple of years ago, he kind of expressed that he never had the desire to be a head coach. He always just wanted to be a coordinator. He was more than happy staying at Clemson, being a coordinator. That's what he loves. Uh, but when Oklahoma came calling, he was willing to take the job. So, um, you know, I think I think it'll be good. Uh, he's going to have to really hit the recruiting trail hard because Oklahoma has lost pretty much their entire 2022 class. Yep. Um, they did flip one guy from Texas today, which is big. Um, but I, I have a fear that Brent Venables is going to end up kind of like Will Muschamp, okay. where they're going to have a phenomenal defense at Oklahoma, but they're not going to be able to score any points. Yeah. So that's my only, if he can get a good offensive coordinator in there, I think they'll be fine. Brent Venables is a very likable guy. He's very loyal, committed to the brand. Um, so I, I'll give it a B for now. Yeah, I'm going to go with a. I'm actually going to go with an A. I really like the hire. I think Brent Venables is going to completely. I think he was the exact right guy to go into that dumpster fire. He's kind of even keeled. He's been under Dabo Sweeney. He knows how it is in, uh, to go from a team that is kind of reeling like they were in the mid-2000s. Clemson was reeling in the mid-2000s. Yeah. They turned it around early 2010s, 2013, 2014. Everything started to flip around. I think he's going to do the same thing with Oklahoma. I think he's going to. He's going to add a toughness to Oklahoma that we've really never seen. Lincoln Riley's all cutesy, like we said, what the Bills are doing, right? He's really cute, tries to be super cute with the offense, not super physical on defense. I think he's going to add a just a culture of physicality and winning to Oklahoma. He's going to hire good coordinators. He's going to have good recruiting classes, and they're going to play very similar to Clemson, and they're going to have a Clemson mold to them. So give them a couple years, and they're right back up there. I really like the Brent Venables hire. Yeah, and this is kind of off topic, but how much do you think that's going to affect Clemson moving forward? Well, that was my last one to talk about here was the other coordinator that left Clemson going to Virginia, Tony Elliott. Grade that hire. Um, before this, before this past season, I would have probably given it maybe an A minus, but with how weak their offense was this year, I'm going to have to go down mm, B minus. Yeah. I'll give it a B minus because he was like the most highly sought after guy last year. Didn't take any jobs. And then Clemson had a very down offensive year. They were still very good defensively, but not until like the last like two or three games did they really start picking up offensively. And I think maybe Tony Elliott kind of saw, hey, if I'm going to get a job, I need to take it now. 
um, because my my stock is kind of declining. But yeah. I do think it's I, I do think it's a good landing spot because Virginia is going to be a little bit more patient than a than a bigger bigger name school. Got a weaker ACC. He's in the opposite division of Clemson, so he's not going to play them every year. Um, he I, I think he could be a good fit. to make the ACC championship. <laughs> yeah, with how weak the ACC is, yes, right. it's very possible. I, yeah, I'm going to go with a B. Um, I think just because of the facilities he already has at Virginia, he's got a great offense. Virginia was actually a really good offense this year. Tony Elliott's going to kind of mold him around that. He's going to have time, like you said, to build the program up. Um, and yeah, I mean, I he's got a Clemson mold to him, just like I said with Brent Venables. As much as Clemson struggled this year, and as much as we're kind of questioning Clemson and their uh, like credibility. Clemson's been one of the best teams over the last five years, and they're going to be back in the top five to start next year. If we're being completely honest, so yeah, I, I, so, I like so, you, so you don't think losing either one of those coordinators is going to affect them very much? I I don't want to say so yet because I don't know who they're going to hire. I want to see who they bring in, yeah, and what kind of what Dabo Sweeney does in the transfer portal and stuff like that. Before we get into the transfer portal talk, I want to just do some rapid fires, no ex no explanation, just just a grade, okay. So we've got Virginia Tech hiring Brent Pry. C. C plus. Um, I'm going to go, let's go SMU hiring Rhett Lashley. Mm. Because they're a group of five school, I'll give them a B. It's a D for me. Rhett Lashley sucks. Um, let's go. I'm trying to find a, one more big one real quick. <laughs> UMass hiring Don Brown. I don't even know who that is. F. He is a, he he is a terrible <laughs> defensive coordinator. Akron hiring Joe Moorhead. Uh, that's a that's a D minus. He was a great <laughs> offensive coordinator at Penn State. It was awful at Mississippi State. I don't even know where he was last year. He was with Oregon. He was offensive coordinator uh, for Oregon. So yeah, D minus. TCU replaces Gary Patterson with Sonny Dykes. I think that's a good hire. Uh, B plus. B plus. Uh, yeah, I agree with that one. Uh, Texas Tech, Joey McGuire. I don't even know who that is. Sweet. Where did, where did he? Where did he? What was he before? I. I don't know. Don't know. Then yeah. I'll, I'm gonna not even gonna give it a grade because I don't know who that is. Georgia Southern hiring Clay Helton. Uh, C plus. C plus. That's a good one. And finally, UConn hiring Jim Mora. <laughs> Man, the master of mediocrity himself. C yes. plus. C, C plus higher. Well, that's a C plus grade and a C plus higher. <laughs> for sure. And well, okay, this is a big one. Notre Dame. Up up getting Marcus Freeman from defensive coordinator to head coach. Uh I'll give it a B. Yeah, simply like because it. of yeah. simply because of lack of experience. But I think the the players love him. He's gonna fit yeah. in well. Um it's just really gonna come down to is he gonna is he going to be able to grind and recruit the way he's going to have to at Notre Dame? So. I think it was a I think it was a perfect decision made by Notre Dame, especially after Brian Kelly left the way he left. Then you got to bring in a guy that already has a connection with these guys, so you can keep them in home and they won't transfer away. So I think for that reason, it's an A it's an A hire for me. So that wraps up the crazy thing that our crazy what a coaching carousel that we've had so far. I'm sure there's some open spots still. Um, I think Ed Orgeron probably should get a job somewhere as something, doing something. <laughs> Dan Mullen might get an offensive coordinator job somewhere, so we'll be looking at that. I think he's living the life as an analyst now. There you go. Yeah, he sucked at that, too, so <laughs> whatever. 
Um, okay, finally for the college football, we're just going to talk about some transfer portal stuff. Just like the coaching carousel, it's been crazy. So the transfer portal opened up and everyone was like, yo, let's go. Right. Um, so what's your we'll do this. What's your biggest transfer? Like the, they might not even have made a decision yet, but the biggest player in the transfer portal right now. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily the best player in the transfer portal, but I think the biggest shock to me was Bo Nix transferring out of Auburn. Because but his dad that, played at Auburn. That job is his. <laughs> like, nobody's taking that job from him. Yeah. Like, and while I don't, I don't personally think Bo Nix is a fantastic quarterback, I think he's very mediocre at best. That job, I mean, nobody was taking that job from him. Right. And if he plays against Alabama, they probably beat Bama this year. Yeah. Um, so that, to me, when I, remember, I know when I texted you this, to me, that kind of makes me question the culture that Brian Harson is creating. The fact that you, the fact that uh, Bo Nix is transferring out, the fact that Tank Bigsby was going to transfer out, but they convinced him last minute to not transfer. Uh, Shivers has transferred to Indiana. Like the fact that a guy is willing to transfer from Auburn to the two and ten Indiana Hoosiers, um, you know. I think that was just the most shocking to me because if if I'm an Auburn fan, those transfers really concern me. And from what I read, uh, Bo Nix and his dad both approached Brian Harson about some concerns multiple times this year. Wait, is that and before I'm gonna cut you off? Did did Bo Nix's dad play at Auburn? <laughs> yes, and his grandfather played at Auburn Whoa. too. Yeah. Sorry, pretty crazy. I just had to ask that question. Pretty crazy, but um, yeah. Um, you made me lose I'm my so train sorry. of thought. <laughs> <laughs> they they, they of thought. met with Brian but, Harson yeah, about yeah. something. Bo and Patrick Nix, who both played at Auburn, <laughs> met with Brian Harson about some, some concerns throughout the season, and they were okay. like, "Hey, you know, we're a little concerned about this. Can we? You think we can transition?" And it, and from what I'm hearing, is Brian Harson was not willing to listen. Didn't want to, you know, was saying, you know, this is how I'm going to run things. I'm not going to let you. And, and I can respect that to a degree. Don't let parents and students run your program. But if I'm an Auburn fan, that's a little concerning to me uh, because nobody was going to take that job from him because they haven't recruited a good quarterback in Lord knows how long. So. And if I'm an Auburn fan, I'm concerned now because now TJ Finley is going to be my starting quarterback Yummy. as of next year. <laughs> and that's not good. I also think uh, probably a close second is Spencer Rattler, but that's probably the one you were going to say. So, Well, no, actually, it was not. Uh, there's this guy that has not chose his destination. Uh, it's Keaton Slovis. He yeah, that's another big out one. Of USC. Um, he's got, I mean, the man has arm talent which I know you hate that word. You hate the word arm talent. What is arm talent? Okay. <laughs> Anyways, he's got, he can make the throws. He's going to be yeah. a good quarterback. And I think I can see him going the Spencer Rattler route and going to like a middle of a power five conference. Mm-hmm. So I can see him maybe at like a TCU or something like that. Like Keaton Slovis is a guy that is going to be good. Right? Yeah. He's, I think it was a good, I think it was a good decision for him to transfer out because he's not going to match Lincoln Riley's system. At all. Plus, Lincoln Riley is already recruiting quarterbacks left and right right now. So I think it was a good decision for Keaton Slovis to kind of see the writing on the wall, get out, 
now instead of having to sit behind somebody next year. So, yeah, but Spencer Rattler to South Carolina. I mean, I think Spencer Rattler's overrated. I don't think he's a team player. I, I, I don't think players rally around him. I've no. seen several videos of him being very, um, I guess, what's the word? Being being a jerk to his teammates, not yeah. really caring. Um, it can't. So it's going to be interesting to see. South Carolina hasn't had a quarterback, a real quarterback, like all year. So maybe they'll win one or two more games next year. But hey, Shane Beamer, he's doing a great job recruiting. So Look, I, I don't like South Carolina, but I love Shane Beamer. I love yeah. it. I love the culture that he's bringing to South Carolina. He's got a weird shaped head, though. He does, and, <laughs> but he keeps it real. Like after that game against Georgia, he was like, "They have like twenty NFL players on the field." And yeah, I was like, "That's very true, Shane. Thank you." But yeah, definitely. I think Keaton Slovis, um, Spencer Rattler, all these quarterbacks, and then Bo Nix. I'm very interested. I think a a low key transfer destination for Bo Nix is going back to his old head coach, Mr. Yeah, Gus UCF. Malzahn. I was going to say that because yeah. Dylan Gabriel just transferred out for UCF as well. He's yeah. another talented guy. So watch out for that. Gus, the Gus bus. And the Bo Nix bus are going to be riding along on the highways of Florida. Yeah, I definitely that that's my number one prediction for Bo Nix is UCF. So I, I think Gus Malzahn loved him, uh, refused to move off of him even when he had multiple chances to. So yeah, I, I think I think he goes to UCF. I would love to see this is another one. This is I'll end it after this. I would love to see Zach Calzada go to Auburn just so he can beat Alabama every year. <laughs> that the, would be funny. The Alabama killer, Zach Calzada. Okay. That would that, honestly, that one was shocking too because he took over for the guy that was injured and beat Alabama. So, well, and then know. he didn't really do anything else other than that. Haynes King is the starter of that team when he's healthy, and they just they've I think they've brought in another five star quarterback coming in this year. Jimbo's doing a really good job recruiting for A and M. So, yeah. that, saw, it's a competitive job. So I saw a stat that. 70 out of the top 100 recruits of next year is going to Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Texas A&M, going to those four Look places. Look at that, man. So they're, it, they're killing it. A&M's got to get results, though. They can't yeah. just yeah. – I mean, they they had a good season this year because they beat Alabama, but if they would, wouldn't have beat Alabama this year, I think Jimbo would have been criticized harshly for what he yeah. did this year was, uh, as the head coach. Obviously, last year, probably shouldn't have made the playoffs. So, yeah, I don't know. That wraps up the way we talked about the coaching carousel a little bit light this week on the college football, just because we haven't had any games. Um, when you're listening to this, I think the bowl games start the next day, that Friday yeah. bowl, Mania, yeah. Capital One bowl, Mania. I think we Toledo, middle Tennessee, Toledo and middle Tennessee state <laughs> or whatever, middle Tennessee, not state. I don't know. Whatever. doesn't matter. They're the blue Raiders. <laughs> you don't just play the blue Raiders and expect to get a win, but that's what the Toledo Rockets are going to do. Book it. So now we go to our first time with fan submitted questions. Yes. So we're so excited. Uh, You know, this is what we've been asking for. We've been begging for some fan interaction. So I'm excited about this. Hopefully, it's a segment we can have every week as long as we keep getting questions. So um, we've had about seven questions that were submitted this week. We're not going to cover all of them just for sake of time. But the first question, is there a, oh, this comes from uh, from an email. I got a couple from text messages, a couple from email. 
This one's going to come from email. Is there a sport that you both absolutely hate or that you have zero desire to be interested in? I'm going to let you start off with that. So for me, it's kind of hard. I know for you, it's there's easy. It's an easy one. Like you just can't watch it. Um, for me, dude, I'm like, I have to go into the like the deep rack, like spots of my mind to find a sport that I just I can't enjoy. Like every sport I can be like, ooh, this is an interesting thing to happen. So I might tune in like in quarantine back in the heat of quarantine, March and April, I was watching cornhole and that yeah. crap was lit, dude. But <laughs> if I have to say anything, it's cricket. And simply because I don't understand what's going on. So like, I, I don't understand <laughs> yeah. how it's how it's scored. I don't understand when it's hit over that wall, how it's not like 70 points. And then I look over and it's like 792 to 594. And the team that has the lower yeah. score is winning. So I just don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. So I, don't, cricket, I don't understand it either. Cricket. Um, I'm going to just pick. There's probably several that I could say here. But I'm going to pick ones that would fit both molds, a sport that I hate and I have zero desire to be interested in. So I can't say basketball because I, I wish I was into basketball, I but wish I'm you not. I wish I was into it, but I'm not. So that, that, that doesn't fit that question, but a sport that I hate and have zero interest in is uh, NASCAR. <laughs> I have zero interest in NASCAR. <laughs> I do not care about 400 left turns I, I just don't care. Uh, it really, it, it, I, I don't know what else to say. Probably like equestrian. Like I don't care about horses jumping over things. Horse Man. racing. I don't care. Um, now, look with NASCAR. I will watch <laughs> the Daytona 500. I'll watch the Daytona 500 because I'm, I'm it's like boredom. I mean, I watch it. I watch the first 50 laps and I watch the last 50 laps and I'll change it to golf in between that. So, yeah, I can watch Daytona. I know you don't hate golf, but you can't watch golf, can you? I love playing golf, but I cannot watch it, man. It's just a snooze fest. There's just not enough going on for me to get into it. I don't know. We might do this later on in a later episode, but that is in my top five of sports golf like watching it and we're, stuff, we're talking so. about playing like yeah i agree with you well me and you would play every day if we bogey, could so unless you triple <laughs> bogey then you hate the sport yeah yeah that's true all oh, right man. next question uh give us our thoughts on the xfl would it ever be something we cover on the show um the xfl back when it was i think we kind of briefly touched on this a we couple did. weeks ago yeah um the xfl i liked it I thought it was I thought it was going well. I think what's really hurting the XFL right now is the fact that they said that it's going to take them three years to reboot the league. Um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and his ex-wife are the owners of the of the company now. Um, so again, I think I think an alternative football league can work. It was entertaining, but then COVID happened, kind of made them you know go bankrupt. The stadiums were selling out of their games. I think the St. Louis Battlehawks sold out every single game they played. Yeah. So, um, well, they don't have an NFL team. Yeah. That's the and okay. Yeah. I don't know if you're done with your point, but with the with the XFL, I think that's what they got to do. They have to a- attack markets that don't have an NFL team. You've yeah. got to give them something to support, and I, I think that would make it so you go to you go to Alabama, you go to um, yeah, 
Kentucky, you go to St. Louis, stuff like that. You've got to attack those markets that don't have an NFL team to support so they can be like, oh, there's a big game this week. Oh, who's it between? Oh, it's our XFL team. Because if yeah. you're given, if you have it in Los Angeles, hey, you're going to go watch the Rams game or are you going to go watch the XFL LA team play? The LA Wildcats. LA yeah. Wildcats. So I don't know. I mean, I want the XFL to work because foot, more football is good. I'm not a firm believer that it'll ever work. I know you're on the other side. You, you think it can work. I don't know if it'll ever be consistent and work like that. Yeah, I agree with you that they really need to target small markets. The only issue with targeting only small markets is a lot of the small markets don't have the infrastructure for a team. They don't have like a stadium that could fit people. They don't have just the infrastructure needed. So the XFL, they're not going to have the money to go to small market places and build stadiums. They have to go to places that already have infrastructure in place. So I agree that the smaller markets are going to get um, I think also the Seattle Dragons had a bunch of sellouts too. So, yeah. but anyways, it, it would be something we'd talk about on the show. Um, I guess occasionally, um, you know, we only have a certain amount of time and it's not going to overtake the NFL. And we're talking but, if it, but I mean, if it happens in the spring, the spring can sometimes be slow sports wise. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So we can, we could definitely end up talking about it in the future. All right, now let me uh, let me whip out my phone here and let me look at some of these text message questions that we got. Um, some WWE content. We haven't done that since the first week we did this. Oh, yes. Let's go. Who, in your opinion, is the greatest WWE wrestler oh, of oh, all geez. time? Oh, jeez. <laughs> the okay. greatest wrestler of all time. Okay, well, this I think we need, I think we need. I, I think we need to break this down. Okay. Yeah, as I was going to ask, what are we talking about? Are we talking mic skills? Are we talking pure wrestling? Are we talking connection to fans? Or are we putting them all together? They don't specify, so I'm going to say the best combination of all those things together. Oh my gosh. Do you want to go first? Uh, Yeah, I think I can go first. I've got a couple guys in mind. I've got a couple guys in mind. That's not the question, it's who's the best. I, I know, I know. But I'm trying. I'm trying to work through the guys in my mind right now as to who I would think personally is the greatest. And we're just going to stick with just WWE wrestlers of all time. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say Stone Cold Steve Austin. Wow. The reason being, he literally changed the WWE. He changed it, and he saved it too. I think in large part, he saved the WWE. Um, he was always polarizing. He always drew a crowd. I mean, everybody came to see him. And I think a close second is The Rock. Um, man. Now, you know what? I might actually change it to The Rock. I'm going to change it to The Rock. Reason okay. being, because Stone Cold didn't have quite the mic skills that The Rock did. The Rock is the greatest entertainer the greatest in-ring performer, the greatest athlete. I mean, he, he was, he was really good at every, and, and uh, maybe I worded that incorrectly. He's not, he may not be the greatest at all of those things, but he's really good at everything you have to be, to be a WWE performer. So yeah, I, I was going to go stone cold, but the more and more I thought about it, I was like, no, I think the rock takes it. So 
I'm going to kind of go away from what you're saying, what you said. I'm going to kind of go on the other other end. So what when I've been I've been thinking about it, and this is super important to me. I don't want to like this is a this is a stressful question for me. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of someone who could go out there, cut a killer promo. And then wrestle in a really good match or there could be no build up, put them up against a random person in a straight wrestling match and they could make it a five star. And for that reason, I'm going with Eugene. What? I'm kidding. That's a joke. That was a joke. I was about to say what? Okay, no. I'm going with the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. That's a good answer. The That's number, a good answer. The heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, because he's the perfect combination of storytelling, character that you can get behind, and pure wrestling. And I know he had a string in the middle of his career, Montreal screw jobs, stuff like that, where he was kind of in like it was kind of in a bad light in the fans view. But he's got he's the heartbreak kid. He's got sweet chin music. He everyone knows his uh, entrance song. He's he's charismatic. He's had some of the best matches in in WWE history. Yes. For that reason, Shawn Michaels is my number one and a close second to me is Brett the Hitman Hart. Wow. Those are those are really good answers. And like I said, man, it's it was so hard for me to pick just one person. I mean, I'm thinking Undertaker, Triple H, Rock, Stone Cold, John, John Cena. Cena. Yes. I mean, it's just so many pure entertainers, like the big names in the business. But right. yeah, I mean, honestly, the more if I continue to think about this, I'm going to change my answer like five times. I'm going to change my answer. I was so, so close to saying John Cena, but I wanted to use the logic because John Cena sometimes John Cena is the kind of guy that needs a story to build off of. He needs promos where he rips into you and he makes fun of you and he gets the crowd going or gets the crowd against him. Right. He, he starts being too corporate and he he, he he kind of feeds off that kind of stuff. But he's not the kind of guy that you can just be like, hey, open challenge, John Cena against a random guy and he's not going to bring the best out of someone. Yeah. I think he's big match John for a reason, but he's not a, he's not mid card John. I think Shawn Michaels can get anything out of any wrestler at any time and build a story at the same time. Yeah. And if I want to make a comparison, I know this is a long shot. Seth Rollins has a Shawn Michaels build and a, and a yeah, Shawn Michaels I, mold to him. Just Seth Rollins is probably the best all around performer in WWE right now. Yep. He doesn't fit into any one mold. He's the best all around performer. And I think allowing him to bring back the curb stomp was very good. That was a very good decision by WWE to do that. Um, they made it safer. So it's not giving people concussions anymore, but I think that was a good, I think that was a good decision. All right. Great question. Um, Great. That was a question. phenomenal question. Shout out to you, Nick. That was a phenomenal question. Um, if you want to know my favorite wrestler of all time, it's okay. Jeff Hardy. Well, it's different. Jeff Hardy. That's a different question. Well, mine's John it's Cena. Jeff Hardy. So. And his is John Cena. So, yeah. all right, we'll do one more question and then we'll cut it because uh, we're running, we're running long. Uh, there's three more questions. We'll save those for next week. Okay. Who is the best player in the NBA right now? Jeez, oh, Zach. Which I'm not. I have. I mean, I, you guys know that I don't watch the NBA. So I'll just give a quick opinion and then I'll end it with you. Okay. My opinion, the best 
overall player in the NBA right now, today, I'd say Steph Curry. The best overall player. Um, I love Steph Curry. He's my favorite non-Hawk player of all time. He's one of my favorites of all time. He's one of my favorite athletes in general of all time. That's a different question, though. I, my favorite athlete of all time is Tiger Woods. But the best NBA player right now, you said top to bottom, all around. Steph Curry is good at many things, but they all pertain around the offensive side of the ball. They all pertain around shooting, um, shooting, creating a shot, moving off ball. The best player right now is Kevin Durant. And I don't think it's close. I think Kevin Durant does everything that you need him to do. He's nearly seven foot. He has guard skills. He rebounds. He's become an increased, increasingly good passer as, a, as he's gotten older. That was one of his biggest flaws when he was the scoring champion. He had, um, you the real MVP when he was talking about his mom, when he won his first <laughs> MVP, he wasn't a great passer because he had a Russell Westbrook on his team and he had a James Harden on his team. But he has molded himself into a team player and a guy that doesn't have to go for 40 every night, but can. And I think people forgot how good he was when he went through the whole Achilles thing at the end of his Golden State run. Then he signed with Brooklyn and didn't play for a year. Then last year when he played, he had Kyrie Irving and, um, and James Harden. They both went down in the playoffs. I don't know if you watched the series against the Bucks, but he played every minute of the last three games. Every single minute. And if he was a half a shoe size smaller, they would have beat the Milwaukee Bucks in that game seven. He had 50 point games, 50 point triple doubles playing all the time. And he just had a 50 point game. And he's 32 years old. So I think Kevin Durant is by and far, like by and large, the best player right now. A close second is Giannis. Um, And I mean, he's got the championship to kind of, to it bolstered him up. I think third would be, um, he's not healthy right now, but Kawhi Leonard. Four would be a Luka. Five would be LeBron. And then you've got Jokic, Embiid, um, Steph Curry. Uh, Curry's got to be higher, but okay. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm just thinking of all yeah. around players, but right now I'll answer your question. Number one is Kevin Durant. And I don't think it's very close. Hey, well, <laughs> That's why I kind of just let you have this question because I don't really know what I'm talking about. And so I live, I, I breathe basketball, bro. So, like, all right. Yeah. That, that wraps up our show and our segment. So, um, just a little, before we head out, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. First off, do, do what you've been doing. Give us five-star reviews on Apple podcasts and Spotify, uh, email us, follow us on TikTok, all that stuff. I do want to just kind of give a, a forewarning that the next two weeks are going to be a little bit different. So I think next week, Zach won't be here. He yes. won't be available. He'll be on vacation. So I'm going to do a show either solo or I'll have someone on the show with me. Someone who's not Zach. It might be a little bit shorter content wise, just because, I mean, we don't have the same chemistry. We'll probably shorten the show because it's the holidays. The next week, it'll be Zach and a special guest. I think he might already have a guest lined up if it, everything works out, but I'll yeah, be on vacation. Yeah. So it, it might, it might end up being just me. Um, unfortunately for you listeners, it might just be just me. Um, but I'm going to try and get a special guest. You know, we, we both are going out of town for the holidays. Um, Mm -hmm. I got to go see my in-laws, which I love my in-laws. I have no complaints. Shout out. Um, shout out. (laughs) So, 
Um, and then you guys are going to Colorado. So sweet. Yeah. I'll be in. I look, dude, you know, I wanted, I, I, I vouched hard to do the show from Colorado, but Colorado is a big open place. So everywhere is a two hour drive. So I'd never really have any time to do the podcast, but Zach's going to hold it down for you. I'm going to hold it down next week for uh, when Zach's not here. Um, I just wanted to, you know, kind of just look ahead. So next week when you hear a different voice on the show or you just hear one voice and it's only like a 30 minute episode, you're not like, oh, no, did they fight? Oh, no, are they mad at each other? <laughs> we fight all the time, but we wouldn't kick each other off the show. We would never <laughs> kick each other off the show because this is the MGZB Sports Network. Yeah. I've already tried something with just my name. OK, so it didn't this, work. <laughs> it didn't work. So here I just wanted to give you all that. Um, we'll leave you with that. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know we did. Um, a pretty, pretty laid back episode. Had some fun with those questions. Keep submitting those questions. Thank you guys. And we will see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the official review. Before you go, I just wanted to give you a couple ways that you can stay connected with the show. First is our email, mgzbsportsnetwork at gmail.com. With this email, you can stay connected, ask us questions that we will answer on the show. Also, if you want to follow us on TikTok under the same name, we post very, very frequently about everything that's happening. And also, if you just want to check Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts Thursday morning at 8 a.m. for every single episode of the official review. Thank you, and we love you. Peace.